Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, April 24th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to have the Summer Movie Wager 2019 edition with the Slash Film Daily staff. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Writer Huai Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. Okay, so this is a, we've been doing this summer movie wager for over a decade over at the Slash Filmcast, and before that, it was on the Totally Rad Show, and I've been participating for over 10 years now, and uh, last year, we decided to do our own edition, on Sla- Slash Film Daily edition, and that's going to include uh, everybody but Chris and myself. I, myself, I, I did it over on the other podcast. You can go listen to the Slash Filmcast episode up now on the Slash Filmcast feed. Uh, you can hear my picks there. But this is for this podcast is to hear the picks of Jacob, Brad, Ben, and HT. Uh, so, uh, what is this contest? I'll, I'll try to explain it in as few words as possible. You can go to thesummermoviewager.com the and get the full rules. But basically, we are trying to guess the top 10 grossing films of this summer. And this summer starts tomorrow with Avengers Endgame because Disney said so and it runs until September 2nd so that's Labor Day weekend including the Monday so it's very arbitrary rules it's domestic box office not worldwide and um, you know whatever the total is on after that Labor Day Monday uh, is the total for the contest and everybody picks 10 movies and three dark horses and you get more points based on if you are dead on or you know one away uh you know it's all that you can read the the complete rules on that site and i would actually suggest if you're listening to this podcast on wednesday when we're recording this head on over to the site because you can actually play along with us you can actually sign up for a user account it's very easy and pick your 10 films and three dark horses and uh, play along all summer long and see uh, who wins. It won't be any of us. So it'll probably be one of you listening. Um, Okay. Uh, I guess let's start at the top. Um, I'm really curious here. Is there anybody here on the podcast that does not have Avengers Endgame as their number one? Uh, Not me. I think Rocket Man is going to take it, Peter. (laughs) <laughs> Elton John, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Endgame, come, come on. Like Now that people have seen this movie, and now that the buzz is out, that it's apparently like everything people want it to be, we're looking at a $2 billion movie. Like Every other movie can screw off. It's, it's, this is going to be untouchable. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, everybody, who who has anything to say about Avengers Endgame? Well, you know, let's, let's play some, how about we do a side bet? Who, Jacob, how much do you think Endgame is going to make by the Two end of point, the summer? Domestically or internationally? I can't remember. What, domestically. We... And I think the first – I think Infinity War made like around $700 million. 
I think Endgame will tap out at $767 million. HD, how much do you think it will make? Oh, this is, we're, so we're prices writing this, are we? Yeah. Um, wait, do we so, win if it's above or below? No, price is right rule, so if you go over, you lose. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So um, Infinity Ward to domestic, $678 million. So Endgame. But that's for its entire theatrical run, not just the summer. Right. Oh, that's, that's true. right. Oh, geez. So we're doing just yeah, the summer. But, but, oh, but, but here, guys, yeah, I mean, this has yeah, all, of, the, all of the, May, April, or, or all of, yeah, May, June, July, and all. That's four months. That's going to be yeah, the entire it was, run. It was, it was out of theaters by the end of, the, and, of, of that window. As a reminder, Avatar, currently the highest grossing domestic film of all time, is $760 million. So I am predicting that Endgame will top it. Technically, the technically the closing date for Infinity War apparently was September thirteenth, but by that point it was probably like very low on the box office list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll stand by my initial bet. I will. I think it's going to edge out Avatar. I think Disney's going to push it hard enough that it will reach right over it. HC, what are you going with? Um, well, I'm going to price this right and go a little bit lower. I'm going to go seven hundred forty <laughs> million, which is not that much lower, but. Brad, do you have higher ambitions or lower ambitions here? I'm gonna go a little bit lower just because it's it's gonna be tough with that with that three hour runtime. So I think I'm gonna just go seven twenty five. Wow, Ben, I, I feel like I was expecting you to be the most conservative here, but w- w- what is your your uh, side bet? Yeah, seven twenty five. What was Avatar again? Seven hundred and sixty. 760 jeez um and also keep in mind this is the kind of film this is an event film people are going to go see this in imax and dobie yeah, that's, and it, that's the thing uh i'm gonna go huge i'm gonna say this is gonna make uh <laughs> 800 million domestically uh okay cool um by the way i i said 850 over on the slash film cast so uh, okay all right so i'm so way off that huge <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll have to see uh where what this actually does okay so here's where our lists are all gonna pr- probably divide here is at the number two i think uh let's start off with jacob what is your number two for me the number two uh is the film i actually thought may have been number one until the reactions and games are coming out and i realized that it's everything people want and my number two is The Lion King. I I wonder if other people, like people who are older than me, like by, by a decade or more, understand how ingrained into my generation The Lion King is, and how it is the one of the most important films for an entire for for the for the old slightly older millennials, people like me who are thirty between say twenty nine and thirty four. The Lion King is the Disney movie. It is the Disney movie to beat. And this movie has that spectacular visual look. Uh, the nostalgia factor is overload. Uh, I think that the, just the name alone is going to get every single person born within five years of my age into that theater. Does anybody disagree with The Lion King being number two? I do not, even though I have my own reservations about the the Disney live action sort of, you know, phenomenon. I do think that this movie is going to be huge. Just, uh, yeah, I'm in I'm in that five year range of Jacob, uh, despite (laughs) what it seems like. But, uh, yeah, this is a huge movie for my generation, too. We there are people who, you know, do parodies of like the all the iconic moments and um the, just the reaction on twitter was insane so i think that this is going to be like one of the biggest of the year peter didn't you say on some podcast episode i was listening to didn't you say that the top two trailers of all time are both held by the lion king yeah for walt disney pictures at least that's what they said on the stage at CinemaCon. i have not fact checked that but it's both uh, the teaser trailer and the second, tra- you know, the trailer that followed for The Lion King. So it's, yeah, I think uh, I think this is for you probably, okay, the top two, I think you guys probably both all got it. So, like, we're all in even, even standing at this point. Uh, let's see if three divides us in some way. Ben, what is your number three? 
I'm going with Toy Story 4. Uh, this is one that I, I feel like there's the, the reaction online has been a little mixed to what we've seen so far. But Peter, you and I saw the first, whatever, 17, 19 minutes at CinemaCon. And uh, both of us were sort of pleasantly surprised with what we saw and, and were pretty much instantly sucked back into that world. I think, like Jacob said with The Lion King, the name alone is so uh, powerful for people the Toy Story brand, and I think uh, it's a family movie and and something that has been a long time coming. And with Incredibles 2 doing, you know, insane business last year, I feel like Toy Story 4, you know, in, in any other summer, if Endgame wasn't there, if Lion King wasn't there, Toy Story 4 would probably be a good contender for number one. But I feel like those two movies are just such huge juggernauts that Toy Story 4 is probably just going to have to settle for third place this year. Yeah. You know, when I was putting together my list, I was thinking about taking like a big swing and putting Lion King or Toy Story 4 at number one slot just because there is the chance, right? But uh, it's probably not. Um, Brad, what is your number three? My number three is The Secret Life of Pets 2. Um, I went with the the animated family-friendly route, and the first Secret Life of Pets was a box office monster. It made $368 million at the domestic box office. Um, tons of people inexplicably like this movie. I don't think it's good at all, um, but lots of people just like seeing pets do goofy things, and, and kids love it, and it's, it'll, it'll probably end up being a, a big hit, and I feel like because some people aren't fully on board with Toy Story 4, that Secret Life of Pets 2 could possibly outdo it at the box office. But Brad, uh, a movie that made more money than Secret Life of Pets uh, was Toy Story 3. Uh, you're crazy. I think <laughs> I think that Secret Life of Pets 2 is going to be a huge movie. It's going to make more money than it deserves, because God knows that movie's not good. But after nearly a decade away from Woody and Buzz, you think these little shits have a chance of beating Pixar? <laughs> and let's I'm... not forget that The Secret Life of Pets was a very apparent Toy Story ripoff. Oh, no, was... that's, that's true, but I feel like, I don't know, there's something about Toy Story 4 that doesn't sit quite right to me, and I've heard a lot of people that are really on the fence about Toy Story 4, and so I I, I don't know, I feel like maybe some people just want to let the Toy Story 3 sit and be like that, the ending of that franchise and they'll go visit Toy Story 4 whenever it comes out on, you know, on demand or Redbox. Mm. HT, what did you have as your number three choice? So this is where I diverge from all of you guys. My number three is Detective Pikachu. Oh my God. And that's oh, wow. because I'm the anime girl and I've also come full circle around on this movie because I was not in for it. And then first trailers hit and now i'm 100 percent in um first of all this movie is filmed on film <laughs> it's shot on film so and so that's why that audiences love it's their that's movie what audiences love <laughs> film but, grain okay. on that pikachu film all grain right. on that bulbasaur it's so, a, you're aware that the highest grossing video game movie of all time to date is laura croft tomb raider which made 131 million dollars yeah no no what I'm in here with is I don't think you guys understand how much of a standing the Pokemon franchise has with my generation. Um, maybe people haven't played Detective Pikachu, but they have grown up with and they have played and they have collected all sorts of Pokemon cards and video games. And it's continued to this day. I'm going to be depending solely on personal anecdotes for this. But... <laughs> Um, when I was growing up, I had like, you know, a huge collection of Pokemon cards. It was all we did in elementary school was play Pokemon, um, the card game and the video games. When I was in high school, in my 12th grade statistics class, every that was the year that Pokemon, I think it was red and gold or gold and silver came out. And everyone was playing this game underneath their desks in, in stats class because no one actually like paid attention in that class but there was like at least half of the people girls and boys were playing pokemon under their cadets um and this year i uh, visited my little cousin who is i like five years old uh there is no pokemon tv show currently running on tv and yet he has a stack of pokemon cards bigger than mine and i'm like how did he even know about pokemon where is this coming from it is just a phenomenon that continues to transcend generations today and uh, he was very excited when I told him that I also knew Pokemon. And he was just like, he wanted me to read to him to bed a Pokemon stat book. So 
all again, all my personal anecdotes, very biased, but I think that Pokemon really does have that impact um, on just like kids, uh, young adults today, and they are like the major draws at the box office. It'll probably be a bigger international hit than it'll be a domestic hit, but I think it'll still be one of the biggest money makers of the year. And that's yeah, I, my spiel. She's right. Gonna it, say, it's it's going to be up there. It's going to be up there. I just don't think it's number three, but she's right. Three, guys. It, it is going to make so much damn money. It's going to be a huge motion picture. It's on my list. It's not number three, but HG is 100% right. I, 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 every single person born after 1987 has an affection for Pokemon, and they will all see this damn movie. Yeah, but it was. I think. I think that pointing out the international box office is the key here. Like, if we were playing global box office, sure, Detective Pikachu number three makes perfect sense. But I don't think domestically it's going you to really be. Really, big Secret Life of Pets two is going to beat Detective Pikachu, Brad. Oh, yeah. By a long so, shot. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Especially because no. I mean, go back to Pokemon the first movie, which was released during the height of Pokemon's popularity when it surged in 1999. That movie only made 85 million. That, yeah, but that was Brad animated, years. Brad. That, that, was, that was when the appeal of Pokemon was, was a generation of 12-year-olds with Game Boys. Now those 12-year-olds are 30-year-olds with families who they've raised to love Pokemon. And now it's generational, and it's a much bigger deal now than it ever was then. Nope, it's going to be lower. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> I, I don't even think it's going to be in the top 10. I'm going to win, ben, guys. Oh, wow. Oh, ben, you saying that is the dumbest thing anyone said ever on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll see. I will say this: All we're on the slash film cast, I put this, I put this movie at number four, and I was relentlessly mocked by the the other hosts. None of them had it in their top five. So, so Ishii, I hope it does well, but maybe not hey. as well as you think it's going to. <laughs> hope it does just a little worse. Um, Jacob, you haven't told us your number three yet. Oh, it's Toy Story four. Come on, come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that is everybody's number three, right? Yes. Yeah. Let's move on to number four. Let's start things off with Jacob. What is your number number four? Uh, because people are terrible and people have terrible taste and terrible things. Secret Life of Pets 2 is going to slip, uh, slip in number four. Uh, my first movie was a monster. Universal Studios building a freaking theme park ride built around it. Universal is going to lean heavily on their 20,000 trailers, each featuring one of the 20,000 characters I don't give a crap about. But every single child in America is going to want to see them Secret Life of Pets 2. And all the parents are going to say, 90 minutes of quiet in a dark theater to cure my hangover. Okay. And it's going to happen. Brad, what is your number four? Uh, I flip-flopped and I put Toy Story 4 uh, in the number four slot. Like I said, I don't think it has the the power as the, the previous Toy Story movies. I think it will maybe fall short of... Uh, expectations a little bit and I, th- I, I think it could end up being close with Secret Life of Pets 2 but I don't know like I said there's something about Toy Story 4 that doesn't feel quite quite as appealing to me and I feel like it uh, some people are going to hold back and not, not go check it out. So you're saying mainstream America is more for the poop humor than they are for the Pixar the humor. Oh, oh absolutely have you seen the things happening in our country lately? <laughs> <laughs> ben what is your number four? Uh, I'm with Jacob on this one. I think Secret Life of Pets 2 slides in at number four um, and for the reasons that everybody has already said. Okay, now I'm really curious because HT had Detective Pikachu as her number three. So what movie did she pick as her number four? Was it Toy Story? Was it Secret Life of Pets? Was it uh... – yeah, w- w- which one was it, HT? It was Rocket Man. No, just kidding. It's Toy Story 4. <laughs> 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 I like that Rocketman also has become the butt of this joke of the jokes for this <laughs> podcast. But Toy Story Four, it's it's gonna be a big one, even though I have um the same reservations as Brad in terms of I think people aren't just ex- as excited for this movie because Toy Story Three was such a perfect ending, but it has the nostalgia factor, it has, you know, that super talented cast, the Pixar brand, and um people are gonna come in for a Pixar movie. It's easy for the over the summer because parents know exactly what they're gonna get with it. And um that's uh that's why it's number four, Toy Story Four, number four. I'm really wondering if anybody has Rocket Man on their list, but we'll we'll get to that, I guess, when when it comes or if it comes. Jacob, what is your number five? This is where I'm taking a swing, and I hope I don't miss, but I put Godzilla King of the Monsters, and 
the first Godzilla, if you look at the box office, had this massive opening weekend, and then it kind of plummeted as people realized that Gareth Edwards uh, made this monster art film, and a film I genuinely like. I loved Gareth Edwards' Godzilla, but it's not a crowd pleaser. But King of the Monsters has leaned so heavily in its marketing to showcase, hey, this is the biggest, baddest monster brawl of all time. It's crazier looking than any monster movie. Yeah, that a beautiful first trailer. It's just all the destruction of a Transformers movie, but without the Autobots and Decepticons, but monsters who actually have clear looks. So I'm going to have faith that people want these giant monsters and that Kingdom Monsters will be as good as it looks. I'm putting it at number five. Brad, you're number five. Uh, my number five, I decided to uh, ride the Disney wave again. And I put Aladdin at the number five. Um, even though people are shaky on this one, I think it's the kind of movie where, just like The Lion King, nostalgia will have people wanting to go see it. And there's, for those who think that it doesn't look that great, I think that it look, looks like the kind of movie that they're they're still curious enough to want to see how bad they think it will be and how weird it is to see Will Smith as the genie. Uh, so I, I think there's a potential there to draw in even the people who aren't sold on it being good, that those people will still go see it, and it'll still be a big hit for Disney. Here's my question for you, Brad, because this is something I, I fought with, because I think Aladdin's the kind of movie that has a massive opening, and then like immediately trails off as people realize, oh, this, this is a Guy Ritchie movie. Uh, do, do you think an opening weekend will be huge enough to keep it this high? What do you, I'm curious what you think there. I hope. I mean, I think so. Like... It, I, Aladdin is like is probably the I don't know maybe the second most um, popular Disney movie to come out of that '90s era like those those glory days um, when Disney had that huge you know comeback with animation. So I feel like it has definitely has the potential of for staying power you know especially because it's summer kids are off school families are going to the movies all the time. Uh, so I I think that it's got the potential there to to still rake in money on the long term. You know there. I think there's one person here that doesn't have Aladdin on their top ten. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so it, wh- why do you think that it's not gonna like to to make the top ten? You got to make like a hundred and forty million. So you, you th- mm-hmm. I mean, at least judging actually, 2018. I think you needed uh, yeah, hundred at least 140 million to hit the top ten. This year it might be a little bit higher. You don't think Aladdin's gonna do that kind of business? It pains me to say it, but I think Aladdin's going to be a flop. And I say it pains me because Aladdin um, is one of my favorite Disney animated films ever. (laughs) And I just, with every trailer I've seen, it's disappointed me more and more. And I do think that it's possible for a Disney live action movie to flop. Um, We saw that with Dumbo. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We saw that with Dumbo. Dumbo doesn't nearly have the same just like nostalgic standing as Aladdin does because it's from um, an earlier classic time. But we've seen that, you know, Disney, the Disney live action formula isn't always um, a hit. So I just think that all the elements that are making Aladdin so shaky and, you know, like how it looks so cheap and how it's... um, like even when it it pulls out the string, the pulls out the stops with like its songs, I think it just doesn't garner the same excitement as Lion King does. So I think it's not even going to be in that top ten. Wow. Okay. I think not putting it in the top ten is a huge mistake because even <laughs> Cinderella, which which I've never heard anybody say they outright love, made <laughs> two hundred and one million at the box office, and it came out in March. So I feel like Aladdin has to be in the top ten somewhere. Cinderella is like. Good though. I mean, it's it's fine. It's not terrible. I get the feeling that Aladdin will be terrible. Brad, there's no use trying to reason with a person who put Detective Pikachu that high. <laughs> Detective <laughs> Pikachu is going to beat all of you guys. Guys, HT is going to be proven so right here because I, I didn't even put that high, but she's 100% friggin' right, and you guys are going to suffer for this. There is a Detective Pikachu. Oh, no, there's a Pikachu plane. Like, I think there's a some sort of Pikachu plane. Like, you know flying in japan somewhere i've seen it i don't really know what the the airline is called but there's a pikachu plane (laughs) yeah and the only other plane i know that takes on a character is uh r2d2 so i mean that puts it on the level of star wars Mm -hmm. just with that evidence alone okay um so we wait where were we i don't even remember where we were (laughs) we were still number five has ben shared his number five yet 
I have not. Yeah. What is your number five, Ben? My number five is Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I think on the heels of Endgame, uh, just like Ant-Man and the Wasp performed pretty well last summer, I think people are going to are still going to be hungry for what comes after the, the end credits of Endgame. And um, everybody loves Tom Holland. I mean, he's so great. And we still uh, I'll well. I'm not even going to continue down that path. But Tom Holland is is great as Peter Parker. Uh, he's so much fun. The trailers that we've seen so far for this movie look, um, <laughs> I mean, interesting. And and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, that's a, another uh, great addition to the MCU. So I, I feel like there's enough there to, um, you know, even if the movie isn't great. It's like a lot of these things, a lot of these movies on this, on my personal top 10 are, are not movies that I'm super excited about or like very passionate about, but just trying to take a step back and look at things from like a macro, what are the American public going to flock to? I feel like Spider-Man Far From Home is pretty high up there. Part the thing in support of your argument here, Ben, is Spider-Man Homecoming, which made 334 million domestically, which is big, but in the Spider-Verse, a much better movie only made 190 million. So explain yeah, yourself. and that's that's animation though, and I feel like there's this there's still the uh, that like divide where people some you know adults and and even especially you know teenagers and stuff probably still look at it as like oh that's kid stuff you know it, it's an old argument that has been disproven a time and time and time again, but I feel like that's a realization that people have to come to with age like oh I don't actually have to avoid these movies because they have things, you know, just because they're animated. Um, but I, I think there's uh, I think the live action thing is a whole different ballgame. I, I mean, I know that there's like an entire generation of young girls who lose their minds for Tom Holland. And uh, that's a, a part of the box office that I think is consistently um, undervalued, underrepresented, under uh, uh, targeted. And um, even though Far From Home is like a superhero movie. I feel like putting Tom Holland in the lead and having this movie, you know, where he's like on vacation from high school, it's, it's catering to a demographic that doesn't um, always get, uh, get their just desserts, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot, a lot riding on it and a lot there. And, and it, it makes sense for it to be at number five. But Ben HT knows a lot of people that like Pokemon. So <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, H.C., what is your number five? My number five is pretty predictable as well. It's also Spider-Man Far From Home <laughs> for all the reasons that Ben said. It's a, it's a Spider-Man movie. It's got Tom Holland. Um, there's a lot of – the first Spider-Man Homecoming had a lot of success, and I think that this will follow up, especially um, following at, um, Avengers Endgame 2. It won't quite have the same kind of after effects that Infinity War had, but I think that um, people are still eager to see MCU movies. And yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, he's a hottie. <laughs> well, that's another question. You bring up Endgame. Do you think like after people see Endgame, and I know you're the, actually Jacob and you are the only two people that haven't seen it here. Um, do you think like with that being such a finale of the last 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that like it might not leave people like you know usually there's marvel like ends the film with like an end credit scene that like teases the next one and you always like it's it's like a you know addictive binge-worthy tv show that you got to see the next one but this is you know the start i i guess it is kevin feige says this is the end the last chapter of phase three but to me it feels like is there going to be less interest i think that is a really good question um and it is kind of a toss-up whether people will see Endgame and be like, oh, that's it. I don't need to watch anymore. Or like they are they don't have as much investment in the next one. But um, no, I think that there still will be interest. I think that, you know, general audiences won't be like, okay, that's the final chapter. So I can just like log out from here. Yeah. I think yeah, and uh, people, yeah. people have short memories too. And Endgame is opening this weekend. And Far From Home doesn't open until what, like July, early July or something. So that's like three, well what's what is that uh it's like two months or something like two full months for people to you know move on with their lives and and go about other things and i feel like that's probably enough time for people to get psyched about another marvel movie so i don't know no good point moving on to our number six film jacob what did you have in the slot a movie i regret not putting higher uh i would have swapped it with godzilla at number five especially after talking about it here detective pikachu 
this movie, I honestly believe the top seven movies on my list w- will crack $300 million domestically, and Pikachu is going to be one of them. Because I straight up do not think half people on this podcast understand how popular Pokemon is, <laughs> how beloved it still is, and how big Pokemon Go was, and how big the new one coming out is going to be. Uh, it is unreal how people are emotionally connected to Pokemon, and it's going to be massive. Wait, yes. you said how many movies are going to break 300 million? I have a, I think my top seven will. You do realize last year there was only three movies? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you, you know what? Jacob's not like this. That That's not a – that sounds like a ridiculous, uh, you know, prediction. But the, the movies this year seem to be of a, like, higher, you know, bigger franchises, higher caliber than last year. All right. I just want to point out real quickly, um, my list so far, Avengers Endgame, clearly going to get over 300. Lion King, clearly over 300. Toy Story, clearly over 300. Secret Life of Pets 2, clearly over 300. Godzilla, maybe. I think it will. I think it has a very strong chance. Take the Pikachu, 100%. Yes, it will. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Brad, what is your number six film? My number six uh, is Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, it's I think it's a no-brainer that I'm, the next chapter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be a big hit. People love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Uh, his death in Infinity War was one of the most harrowing of the entire movie, uh, showing how much people love that character and his iteration of it. Uh, and I think people are going to be interested in seeing what happens next after Endgame, even though Endgame does feel like this period on you know, what happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point. People will still want to see what happens next with Spider-Man. And, and honestly, uh, I've been surprised how like some how intrigued people are when they see Jake Gyllenhaal pop up on screen as Mysterio. They're like, "Whoa, wait, what? Like, what's Jake Gyllenhaal doing in a Marvel movie?" Um, so I think I, I think it's going to have a lot of lot of draw because of that. It'll it'll definitely ride the coattails of Endgame with the Marvel hype. And as we've seen, all, you know, all the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now have have you know still have a really big draw. You know, even the Ant Man franchise, which is the the lesser performing of the you know entire MCU. Uh, rosters still makes you know big cash at the box office so spider-man i think is going to be right up there okay uh let's move on to ben's number six uh, my number six is aladdin this is a movie that i'm pretty sure i'm gonna hate even though i really hope i don't but everything i've seen thus far i'm just i'm not fully sold on this but i think like I was saying before, I, I think America is just going to lose their minds for this movie. I think there's so much built in. Um, like everybody said before, I feel like Lion King and Aladdin are like the number one and number two slots of that sort of prime Disney 90s era. And um, I think people are just going to are, are going to be fully on board for this movie, even though I, I'm almost certainly that. Or I'm almost certain that, like, critically, it's not going to end up... It's not going to fare very well, but I think that's... This movie is going to be critic-proof as far as I'm concerned. I think you're probably right. HT, what is your number six? Um, my number six is Hobbs and Shaw. Um, this is just based on how much of a moneymaker the Fast and Furious franchise is and how big of a box office star Dwayne Johnson is. He's probably one of the last few like guaranteed box office stars. Even his um, like lowest uh, grossing movies do pretty well at the box office. Like you know, like Baywatch was a flop, but it made uh, like fifty-eight million. So um, yeah, I think that this is gonna be a big one, guys. I mean, it's another one that'll probably be bigger internationally, but I think domestically, uh, it'll do to gangbusters. And uh, just the the trailer too is enough to get many people excited, just because it's so ludicrous and over the top. HG, let me tell you a story. A story of a young, naive slash film managing <laughs> editor named Jacob Hall. <laughs> who participated in a summer movie wager or he bet big on a little movie called Skyscraper and Skyscraper <laughs> did not deliver yes, in any way whatsoever. Skyscraper isn't a Fast and Furious movie unless I'm mistaken because I didn't see it. <laughs> but, but Dwayne Johnson, despite being one of the most beloved men in modern celebrity culture, I don't think him alone is a box office draw. I think people love him. I don't think people are automatically drawn to a Dwayne Johnson movie. And you know what? I love the man. Uh, but Rampage is a bad movie. Skyscraper was a movie I liked, but let's face it, it wasn't good. Um, and I think Hobbs and Shaw has an uphill battle. It may be in my top ten. We'll, we'll see in a little bit. But putting it this high, I think you have a lot of faith in a guy whose last few movies have not done well. 
It's Wayne Johnson and Fast and Furious, though. I think that combo is enough to put it at number six. Okay, so there you have it. I, I'm actually kind of surprised that Ben did not have Hobbs and Shaw was not the one of the group. He's such the, he's the biggest Fast and the Furious fan out of everybody here, and yet you had it higher than him. Yeah, and this is me too being on the uh, Justice for Han boat because yeah. I still haven't forgiven <laughs> Deckard Shaw for not you know paying for his actions, killing the best Fast and Furious character. Yeah. So. HG, that's some real soap opera slash WWE mindset, and I, I really appreciate it, so thank you. <laughs> Thanks. That's the only win, way I'll ever be connected to WWE. <laughs> well, we could finally get some justice for Han in this this uh, installment. Who knows? Okay. Uh, number seven, Jacob, what do, what do you have? This is the last one on my list. I think it'll crack 300, and that's Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, people are going to see it. It's going to break 300 million. More people will see Pikachu, but you know what? People like Spider-Man. He's good. Uh, so yeah, there he is, Spider-Man, Far From Home. Wait, you had Spider-Man, Far From Home, but not Aladdin in in your three hundred millions. Aladdin will not make three hundred million dollars, Peter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, what is your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Detective Pikachu, which will not do nearly as well as as HT and Jacob. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I, it's sure, there's plenty of people out there who love Pokemon, but you got to get them in, into the theaters for it. And I think that that this particular movie is maybe just a little too outside of the normal things that people love about Pokemon for people to actually get on board with it. Um, I think it'll still be big, and I think it'll surprise some people by being being good. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough to beat out these other box office heavy hitters, you know, because Detective Pikachu still has a lot to prove, whereas a lot of these movies have a legacy to ride on and have something that is going to help bring people in the theaters. Whereas Detective Pikachu, sure, Pokemon has a long legacy, but when it comes to the movies, it still has a lot to prove on the big screen. And so I, I think it's not going to be quite as big as you guys think it is. Hmm. Ben, what is your number seven? This is where Hobbs and Shaw comes in for me. It's just one slot below HT. So pretty much the same reasons. And, and I think she's right. I think it's it's not just the draw of Dwayne Johnson. It's the combination of him in a Fast and Furious spinoff movie. Um, and, and, you know, the fate of the Furious to me, the most recent uh, Fast and Furious movie was sort of like mid-tier Fast and Furious. But spinning off uh, Hobbs and Shaw into their own film allows for... Uh, a stripping down and and getting like sort of a back to basics approach but instead of going all the way back to the first movie it seems like they're just going back to like the fast five levels of i was about to say back to basics what are you talking about well (laughs) no no not i mean back to back to uh maybe back to basics is the wrong word but back to like the back to glory you know like that's where (laughs) that's where the movie uh that's where the franchise really took a turn and became and, and that was the introduction of Dwayne Johnson's character into this franchise. And I feel like Luke Hobbs, the character he plays there, is the ideal Dwayne Johnson movie character. Um, of everything that I've seen him in, that's the role that gives him the most to chew on, the most fun to have, the most over-the-top ridiculous stuff that where he's totally believable in that role. And and he he just works as a movie star in that role. And, you know, movies like Rampage and stuff where he's supposed to be playing, like, a scientist or whatever like get that shit out of here let him flex so hard that his cast explodes <laughs> off of his arm like that's what i'm here for that's what america is here for and that's why Hobbs and shaw deserves to be in the let him fight spot. the street and the streets fight back <laughs> i will say this though the movie is titled fast and furious presents Hobbs and shaw which i think goes to jacob's uh point that you know the studio even knows that dwayne johnson is going to sell this movie alone Right, right. I'll give him this though. The most recent trailer came out. The three and a half minute long one is spectacular. And if if anything gets people in theaters for this thing and, and pumps it up this high uh, on the list, then I'll power that trailer because, damn, that's a good trailer. <laughs> HT, what is your number seven? My number seven is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, I just think that this is gonna do big i don't really have an investment in this franchise but i do think monster movies and kaiju movies in particular are uh, you know they're they're pretty big draws in the summer and um the addition of the classic kaiju like mothra Ghidorah, and other fellow godzilla compatriots <laughs> will make this uh, a pretty big um 
just a you know clash of big just a big battle and i think people will, will uh, uh uh go to that yeah, and you also have 11 from stranger things so you're gonna get yeah. like that kind of those kind of fans as well you have coach chandler it's even more important come on yeah which i still haven't seen friday night lights yet texas forever yeah okay uh jacob what is your uh number eight? Oh, yeah, this is where i'm putting aladdin here's why Aladdin is not going to do as well as anybody thinks it does because I think Lion King has a strong chance of being a good movie. I don't think Aladdin's going to be good. It's going to have that massive opening weekend. It's going to tumble. It's going to do well enough that everyone's respectable and can walk away, brush themselves off, and make another movie. But I think people are going to treat this thing like a plague after the first two weeks. I, I think we're going to see a massive drop off as people realize that it is not the 1992 movie they love. Jacob, you have too much faith in America. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, I, I am. I'm putting my faith in the American people. Uh, those are those who see Secret Life of Pets too will not be those who embrace Aladdin. <laughs> Maybe so. I, I don't know. Maybe Guy Ritchie can create this stylish uh, Bollywood style adaptation of this Disney classic. I don't mm. hate Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie should not be allowed to make movies of this size ever again. <laughs> okay, Brad, what's your number eight? My number eight uh, is Fast and Furious Presents. Hobbs and Shaw. Um, it's the Fast and Furious spinoff. The Fast and Furious movies are big box office hits. Like H.G. said, Dwayne Johnson uh, is a huge face at the box office, even though his own original uh, movies or blockbuster attempts don't necessarily fare as well as Fast and Furious movies. I think that the the chemistry between him and Jason Statham in the Fast and Furious franchise uh, was one of the favorite uh, things that came about as this franchise has grown. And seeing them these two together as you know heroes who are also kind of at odds with each other uh, clearly playing around with each other um bringing back that that old school buddy cop vibe with outlandish action is going to be just enough to uh get people into theaters to make this a hit even though it won't be quite as big of a box office monster as the other movies we talked about so far you know there is one reason why i would like to see this be become a hit and that is just to like prove vin diesel wrong because i feel like if this movie does not do as well as the fast and furious the films like he's gonna have so much more leverage i don't know um okay ben hit us with your number eight guys i guess i'm i'm burning out my fuse up here alone because rocket man is my number eight uh i really i i feel like this movie is gonna surprise people so look at what bohemian rhapsody did last year obviously that movie uh had its had its issues we can say um and it ended up making 216 million dollars domestically and i think if rocket man which looks way better and has taron edgerton in it and he's actually singing and the uh, campaign has been the, the ad campaign has been great so far if that movie does this a similar level or even outperforms it i feel like it has a pretty good shot of hitting the number eight spot and on the top 10 list this year so uh i don't know so I, I at this point i feel like this slot is rocket man's to lose instead of some other movies to gain so I, i'm interested to hear if anybody thinks that i'm nuts or uh or if there if anybody has any counter arguments against rocket man because right. audiences love the idea of just sitting in a theater and rocking out to, you know, to music that are like greatest hits of these these uh, bands that they've loved for decades. I think you're about Ben. Who's putting too much faith in the American people now? Kendrick is you. The rock band looks legitimately good. Yeah, I think it's going to do well. Man, I I just don't think it's top eight. That's just I don't know, Ben. I I I think that. Queen has a bigger international appeal to Elton John. I, I think they're I actually love both Queen and Elton John, but I think if you went internationally and pulled people, I think Queen has a much larger draw, especially these days. Although we're talking domestically, so yeah. maybe yeah, it's, true, it's, true. it's a toss up, I think. I think it's possible that this could be just like a surprise hit, um, but it's just uh, too much of a, uh, a gamble to say. And I don't think it's putting that much faith in, in the American people to say that they're going to love a music biopic because like <laughs> on the surface, that just seems like the most basic thing imaginable. And the movie has done a pretty good job of sort of hiding its more uh, elaborate sort of like fantastical elements in the trailer for the most part. I'm not even convinced that there's going to be that much of that kind of uh, differentiation in the actual movie itself. But I just feel like 
all, the formula is there. The the you know all the elements are there for this to be a big surprise hit, and I'm I'm hoping that it, it pans out. But uh, Brad, what do you think about Rocketman? Or do you think I'm crazy for putting this this high? Um, I don't think you're crazy. I do. I, I followed your train of thought for a bit, and I almost considered putting it in my top ten. But I feel like it doesn't have quite the same draw as a lot of these other big blockbuster movies that that already have like this built-in audience. And a movie like this can be kind of a hard sell, especially when it's something that isn't quite seemingly quite as conventional as the other rock biopics that people love so much. Because even though the trailer does show off some of the familiar tropes, uh, we do know that this will be sort of a, a fantasy musical kind of telling of Elton John's life. And that might be a little bit too odd for some people to latch onto, maybe. Um, but I don't know. I, I would love to see it do well because I think it looks fantastic. But um, I, I didn't uh, feel confident enough to put it in my top ten. See, what I think it's missing is Mike Myers in a wig telling Elton John that his song won't do well. <laughs> well, also, Ben, by by your reasoning, you should have Danny Boyle's Yesterday in your top 10 because that will allow people to just rock out to all the Beatles classics. Like, Beatles are much bigger than Elton John, right? Uh, well, Peter, we might get to that. We might oh, get to that. Okay. HT, what is your number eight? A choice I'm already regretting after talking through all of this because I'm realizing it should be much, much higher. But I maybe I was trusting the American public too much. It's The Secret Life of Pets too, And uh, I realize already that I'm going to lose this one because it's going to make so much money. And um, it's going to be in the top five for sure. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe not top five. Yeah, actually, no, probably top five. <laughs> uh, I'm wrong. But it's okay because <laughs> Detective Pikachu is going to win everything. <laughs> like... Like, I, I feel like the people that saw the first one must know that it was bad, right? Like, or is it just like, oh, it's cute characters and the kids. Yeah. This is a place to put the kids for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's that. I think the latter, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to number nine. Jacob, what is your number nine? My number nine is where Hobbs and Shaw goes. It's going to be a big hit. Uh, it won't do Furious 7 numbers. It won't It won't even do... Um, you know, Fade the Furious numbers, but I think you're looking at a very sizable hit and a return to form for Dwayne Johnson as an action hero. And good thing, because I like David Leach as a director. I like everyone on, in, in this movie. Um, when I showed this trailer to my wife, she lost her damn mind and was screaming at the television. So I think regular folks uh, and regular folks who like big dumb action and movie snobs like us who appreciate what goes into making big dumb action are going to flock to this thing. And it's not going to be a billion dollar movie, but it's going to be a nice sizable hit. And we're going to see lots more fast and furious spinoffs because of it. I feel like the reason why I go to the fast and furious movies, is not for the family, not for that whole drama. It's, it's for just ridiculous action. And to me, that's why I think more people are going to go to Hobbs and Shaw because it just looks like it's more of that. Wrong. Yeah, it, it, no, I think you're right. I I, I kind of disagree because I feel like the family stuff actually works really well for me as somebody who's like fully invested in that franchise. But I totally see that there are probably a lot of people who are who are like you and, and thinking along your same lines there. Yeah, I just want to munch down on some popcorn in the AC, Ben. That's what I want to do. <laughs> okay, uh, Brad, what is your number nine? My number nine is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, Godzilla, obviously, is a huge franchise. I do think it's lost some of its luster over the years. It isn't quite as popular with general audiences as it is with people who have just loved Godzilla for as long as it's been around. But this movie does look massive and bigger than any other Godzilla we've seen before. Bringing in all the other monsters is a huge draw. Um, it really looks like it will deliver on the exact kind of movie that people want to see when it comes to a kaiju uh, fighting movie featuring Godzilla. So I hope that um, it will be a big hit, even though it's not something I think has the kind of draw to bring in uh, as much money as the rest of the movies. Okay, Ben, what is your number nine? I'm also going with Godzilla, King of the Monsters. The 2014 movie made $200 million domestically, and I think um, you know this one just looks so gorgeous and like colorful and ethereal, and so I feel like that might draw some people in who might be um uh, uh, sort of on the fence about it just like the aesthetic the visual style of the movie might attract some people and then obviously the kaiju elements and, and the smashing and summer action and all that um I, I feel like it's a yeah it's the perfect storm for a number nine ht what is your number nine 
My number nine is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino movie. And this is one that I was kind of wrestling with because Quentin, Quentin Tarantino, while he has a huge standing um, in, you know, film cinephile lovers circles, he um, isn't doesn't quite have like the mass appeal, despite like his film becoming like cult hits and classics. Um, but I do think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood could become uh, a major hit this summer. It has all those elements. It has the big stars, Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, um, Margot Robbie. And it has a, a, a story that is, um, I think will definitely at least pique people's interest because it does take place in 1969 and is supposed to revolve somewhat around the, the Manson family murders, which is something that's already drawn controversy um, for this film. But um, I think that it could it could be uh, could crack that top ten just because you know uh, was it Sony? Yeah, I think yes, it was Sony. Sony that paid like so much money to get Tarantino to sign on with them, mm-hmm. and um, it's just gotten a, a lot of buzz. And as you know, his next film and one of his supposedly last films that he'll be directing. Yeah, I should point out that Inglorious Bastards, a two and a half hour long, mostly subtitled movie, made hundred dollars and Django Unchained, a extremely long western, made 162 million. So even though Hateful Eight wasn't a big hit, uh, Hateful Eight only did like 50 million or something. Yeah, 54. And um, but Django and Inglorious proved that you know audiences will come out for Tarantino even even when his movies are strange or have unique structures or are mostly in French. People will come out for him. It's interesting, too, that Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained are both movies that sort of have his, like, revisionist history stamp mm. to it. And that could be the case with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If he sort of tweaks the story of, of the Manson murders a little bit, um, that could be an interesting sort of uh, continuation of that, uh, even though he took a little break for his personal, like, Agatha Christie-style Hateful Eight right there, the, the, West, the Western I've, in the middle. I've never heard of Hateful Eight being described as an Agatha Christie-style movie, but... <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> He's not. For, sidebar, Hateful Eight's pretty great, guys. It is great. It is great. I mean, I've only seen it, like, so I think once in theaters, but it's yeah. on Netflix right now. I've had it in my queue, but it's just, it's so long that it's hard to just, like, pop on after, you know, like, when you're, like, done with dinner. It's It just seems like a movie that you have to actually carve out time to watch, but I really want to watch it again. So, anyway, sorry for the sidebar. And I think Sony, like, spent, like, $100 million on this, so you'd think – that they believe that this movie is going to at least do that, if not double or triple that, um, which I think would certainly make it onto the top 10 list. But uh, I don't know. Jacob, what did you have as your number 10? My number 10 is a movie that I think will be a massive disappointment, and that is uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. If you look at the past few years of the X-Men, the last X-Men movie to feature these characters was uh, 2016's X-Men Apocalypse, which topped out at $155 million. And that movie is one of the worst superhero movies I've ever seen. I think X-Men Apocalypse is lazy garbage, and it does nothing interesting. And I just responded in the right way, because that movie plummeted after its first weekend. And I straight up don't think audiences have ever truly embraced this particular cast of X-Men. Uh, their first movie together, First Class, only made $146 million. Uh, uh, Days of Future Past did, did a lot better because that was a Wolverine movie where Wolverine stepped into their timeline. Then you have Deadpool, which is making $300 million while this cast barely makes a dent. I think it's going to slip into the top 10 by default, but the days of X-Men being like even remotely in the top five of the year are long gone. This is going to be like the sort of, not quite a victory lap, but the half a lap, and then the franchise has a heart attack and Disney takes a body away to revitalize it into a Frankenstein monster. Um, yeah, this movie's going to get here, but it's going to look bad doing it. Brad, you also have this movie as your number 10? Indeed I do. Uh, it's an X-Men movie, and even though the X-Men movies have taken a turn for the worse, uh, this is the last X-Men movie that uh, features cast members from uh, the new franchise and also the last X-Men movie under the 20th Century Fox banner. I think people will be interested to see whether or not they can get the Dark Phoenix story right uh, with a second try, even though the trailer doesn't look like they've done uh, that much of a good job in uh, improving upon it, an adaptation of one of the, the best X-Men uh, comic story arcs. But yeah, like I said, still an X-Men movie. People will still turn out to see it. 
um, and it'll it'll likely still uh, make some big bank at the box office. Ben, I'm really curious. What do you have as your number ten? I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the same reasons that we talked about with HT. Um, HT, you had a at number nine, right? Yes. Yeah, so I, I just have it, uh, because if you remove Detective Pikachu from the mix, then we're pretty much on the same page there, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think, uh, yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, it, it opens late. That's the that's the knock against it, I think. It opens later than a lot of these other movies do. So there's not going to be that much time for it to make enough, but I feel like putting it at the number 10 spot is, uh, is a safe bet. HC, what is your number 10? My number 10 spot is uh, Men in Black International. Uh, so the Men in Black franchise is somewhat waning in terms of just popularity uh, with each entry. But I think that with the combination of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson at the front, um, it could potentially just help revive this series and uh, bring a lot of interest. Uh, I think that it has, you know, that sort of crossover wide stream wide audience appeal and um could you know slip into that top 10 i don't really have a lot of uh explanation for it other than men in black people still like it people like chris hemsworth people like tessa thompson and a combination of all three people will uh get into the theaters here's my counter argument hg is that i forgot this movie existed until we sat down (laughs) to make these lists yeah but it might be a surprise hmm I don't know. Like I, I, I like both of those people. I like the Men in Black franchise. Does anybody else have this on their? Uh, we've already done everybody's top ten. Does anybody have this as a dark horse? I have it as a dark horse uh, for the same reason that that you just mentioned. I think, especially after Endgame, I think people are going to want to see more of of Chris Hemsworth. Um, and this is a way to do it. You know, I think internationally, obviously the the word international is in this title, so I think maybe expanding the scope to a global uh, you know a global type of movie where it's bouncing around between countries and stuff might have the film actually perform better internationally than it does domestically but i think there's still enough interest in this franchise and uh enough interest in hemsworth in particular um it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of lead this you know lead this franchise back to its previous glory days Ben, F. Gary Gray took the on-fire Fast and Furious franchise and drove it into a ditch. But he, I mean, creatively, yes. But that Fate of the Furious made, a, what, a billion dollars or something. So, like, financially... But domestically, that, it was a shadow of the previous film. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's why that's why it's a dark horse. I don't I don't fully believe in it, but I'm putting there it there just to cover my bases, which is the same thing. And I'll, maybe I'll, I should just run through my other dark horses really quickly. Yeah. Um, Detective Pikachu <laughs> is in there uh, for that same reason. I don't fully believe Mistake. in it, but but I feel like it could. <laughs> I, I didn't want to completely dismiss it outright. So I, I have it in the dark horse section. And then, Peter, as you alluded to yesterday, the Danny Boyle movie about the, the guy singing the Beatles songs is also in my dark horses just because. Um, yeah, that same that same mentality of like people love going to the movies and, you know, like uh, everybody's always in there, you know, listening to their headphones and stuff. And and we don't have that many communal music experiences anymore as a as a culture. It's it's so like personalized. And I think um, going to the movie theater is a cheaper alternative than going to an actual concert for a lot of people. And uh, having songs that everybody knows and loves is just a fun thing for people to experience in a theater. So I, I feel like uh, I, I love the idea of this movie. And personally, I feel like it could end up being like one of my favorite movies of the year if it's executed properly. But I just I decided to put it in the Dark Horse section because I didn't fully believe that it would knock out any of these other contenders on the top 10 list. See, yesterday I feel like is one of my most anticipated films of the summer, but I'm I'm not. I'm not on drugs, and I did not put this in my top ten <laughs> or in my dark horses because I mean, Danny Danny Boyle has never. I mean, I guess Slumdog Millionaire made a lot of money, but aside from that, I don't know. I just does anybody else have Yesterday in their dark horses? I too it's am in... insane, so no. <laughs> it's in my dark horse because it's I also cheap. believe. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I am on drugs. <laughs> I am not on drugs. <laughs> um. I also believe that a musical film that is anchored by like 
hits that everyone loves and the Beatles will become a sleeper hit. Um, I think we saw that with Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. And um, even though that, you know, those were all, all covers as well, I think that there is an audience for this and that people, because they're familiar with it, because it looks like a fun, uh, unique, inventive movie, they will go in and see it. But I am also like, you know, not sure if it will crack that top 10, but I do think that it will make money this year. Okay, Jacob, what are your dark horses? Our first dark horse is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for all the reasons outlined earlier. I think it has a very strong chance of cracking the top 10, but I think I feel more comfortable putting it here. I think it's going to make a lot of money. I think it's going to be a big hit, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, my next one is Rocket Man because I think it will do very well. It just won't do Bohemian Rhapsody numbers. And my final one is a film we have not mentioned at all yet. And this is honestly a choice for my heart rather than for my brain. And that's John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, I've been on the record for these this being my favorite action franchise of the modern era. It's, to me, what Fast and Furious is to Ben. Everything about this series matters a lot to me. So part of me is leaning on it for, for those personal reasons. But if you look at the actual numbers. Uh, John Wick Chapter 2 made more than double the money its predecessor did. And I'm starting to wonder if John Wick Chapter 3 may not double Chapter 2's uh, box office, but could have a significant bump over it because Lionsgate's moved John Wick into the summer season. They feel conf- confident enough that he can hang with the big dogs. And in a summer full of PG-13 superhero fare, I think people want some headshots from Keanu Reeves. And people want some R-rated movies. I, I, I guess some of you put um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I'm guessing we're assuming is R-rated. <laughs> no, it's gonna be it's gonna be PG, Peter. Tarantino's <laughs> first PG movie. Uh, it could be a PG thirteen. You never know. Last year, Deadpool two was one of the highest films of the contest, and that was R rated. So, uh, you know, there needs to be something here for adults, right? Yeah, and yeah, Tarantino and John Wick. Like I said, forty three million Wick Chapter one and ninety two million for John Wick Chapter two. I mean, I would not be surprised if John Wick Chapter three like hits one fifty if it actually has some momentum or at least one twenty. I mean. People have discovered these movies at home and love these movies, and the success of the second one proves that, and I think there's space for it to be a big hit. Okay, Brad, what is your Dark Horses? Uh, Literally, all three of my Dark Horses are exactly the same uh, as Jacob's for a lot of the reasons that he said. Uh, I love John Wick as a franchise. I think the, uh, the third one looks to ramp up the action even more, and I think that the appeal is much broader as the franchise has continued, which is why it's being released in the summer. Um, and it's it's a different kind of blockbuster action because, uh, you know, we don't often see a lot of big R-rated studio movies hitting theaters during the summer because they don't make as much money since the audience is a little bit more limited. Um, but I think that this one has the potential to maybe uh, rake, rake some in after uh, how much people love the first two John Wick movies. Um, Rocket Man, I have a lot of faith in it. I think it'll be very cool. The the appeal of Elton John's music isn't quite as big as Queen, um, but people, you know, love a good uh, rock biopic about their favorite artist, and Elton John is uh, a massive performer. Um, it might even be fueled by the fact that he's been on tour, his retirement tour, so people could will be might be interested in turning out to see it simply because of that. Um, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, you know, never want to count out Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he's got his own, uh, you know, audience who always turns out for his movies. And since the cast in this movie is uh, so huge, um, I think that the, the possibility that it'll be uh, a, a big hit this summer. Okay, so the only dark horses we haven't heard are, I mean, HT, we heard that you have yesterday, but we haven't heard your yes. other two. Uh, my other two is Rocket Man. Uh Ben mentioned it in his top 10, I think. By the way, everybody was making fun of Rocket Man, but it's on everybody's (laughs) list somewhere. I know, I was shooting on it before, but I do think that it will be a hit because, you know, the Bohemian Rhapsody formula we saw last year. And um, it's, I don't think it'll be top 10, but I think it'll be, you know, um, a, well, it could be top 10, but I think it will be a dark horse or at least make some money this year. What about Flarsky? No one's mentioned Flarsky. <laughs> long shot, long baby. Shot. Sorry, if it was long... named Flarsky, then maybe. <laughs> yeah, the long shot's just too generic of a title. Uh, what what else do you have, HJ? And my third dark horse, because I'm a coward, despite me like earlier uh, shitting on Aladdin, I do think Aladdin is could potentially you know not be a total flop. Um, that's my standing for now is that I think it won't be top 10. I mean, I just think that it'll be like such a massive disappointment, but 
maybe that's me also trusting more in the American audience. But my, me including in the Dark Horse is being like, maybe the American audience isn't that smart. <laughs> um, the thing I love and hate about this contest is it basically puts us in the mind of like studio executives that greenlight films. Like we're, we're basically, this is probably how they look at the marketplace of, of movies. Do you know what I mean? Like they probably like are just so dismissive of what people are going to spend their hard earned money on at the cinema. Like it's, it's kind of sad. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like the way it makes me feel. (laughs) I don't, I'm glad that I don't think about movies this way any other time than just for the summer summer movie wager. You know, Ben, if you had uh, the ability to go home to your mansion, like rub yourself a hundred dollar bills, you'd feel a lot better. (laughs) That's probably true. Yeah. We have to assume we don't know. But we have to assume. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you um, want to participate in the Summer Movie Wager, you can go to thesummermoviewager.com. You have until midnight tonight. This is Wednesday, April 24th, to actually register your list to qualify to be part of this game. If you win, you don't really win anything. You just win bragging rights, and you can probably say that uh, – you did better than us but uh play along with us and dennis who is the guy that runs this website he also has a twitter account that he does like daily updates on the box office and it's kind of like a uh play-by-play commentator of sorts for this game so which is kind of fun to 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 watch um and i'm wondering how we're gonna uh how this team the slash film daily team is gonna fare against the uh slash film cast proper team um, Peter, if we win, we can min- we get their show. What? If we win, we get their show. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the deal, right? No? We're taking over Slash Filmcast, most yeah. ambitious someone, crossover someone, ever. Someone call David Chen and tell him his days are numbered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and th- Peter, is that midnight Pacific or Eastern time? <sighs> you know, I you think I would have that information? <laughs> Let's see. I think it is. And I'm looking this up as we speak. It is midnight Pacific time. So there you go. So you have until tonight, midnight Pacific time. It's pretty easy. You just got to like pick a nickname and put your email. And then you just like put the 13 films in. It's it's very simple. So uh, go, go head over there and do that. Uh, you can find more of all of us at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast published every weekday uh, on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. You Detective Pikachu deniers are crazy. You are soon going to see the light. <laughs> And the light is electricity coming from Pikachu's tail. With Ryan Reynolds <laughs> quipping in my face about it. Go yeah. Charizard. Burn down Ben's terrible box office predictions. <laughs> hey, I won last year, so. You know what? Oh, last year was last year. This is this year. You know what this year is? This is the year of Detective Pikachu. It is. <laughs>